This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. We are in Psalm 23, and we're going to be in verse 4. We're going to read it just like we've done every week. Every week we have read this out loud together. Um, and, and I think we're doing really good. Many of you may know this by heart. If you do, test yourself. Keep looking at me instead of looking at the screens. I don't think you can do it. But uh, keep looking at me instead of looking at the screens. Let's try it. Let's recite this Psalm 23 together out loud. You ready? Begin. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Verse 4, yea, though I walk... Through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. That's kind of the, the, where we're going to stop. Um, thy rod and thy staff that cover me, by the way, next week. Please be back for that. Um, that's, uh, that's a great study. And we'll move it into the, the following verse as well. But walking through the valley. I'll be honest with you today. I wish valleys were not a part of life. I wish that, I'll be honest with you, I could handle life without mountaintops if there were no valleys. I wish that life was just kind of a plateau, and you know what, tomorrow was just like last Monday, and just like the previous Monday, and the following Monday was just like that, and that's in my human flesh, that's the way I wish life could be, just the same. Let me wake up, let me do my thing, let me go to bed. But you know what? That's not reality. The fact is this, that we live in a, in a life of hills and valleys. God designed our lives uniquely that way. Today we're talking about this valley of the shadow of death. And some people actually say that it was a real valley. And I've done my own study on that. I think it's funny when like people claim to know for certain, you know, was this a real valley or not? Well, I did my research, and it is. It's like, man, it's thousands of years ago. Like, chill, you don't know. Uh, so I, I, I'm not going to say that this is, we know this is a valley, and people went down it and died all the time. I'm not going to try to over-sensationalize it. All I'm going to say is this. Whether literal or metaphorical, this valley was called the Valley of the Shadow of Death. It was a negative time. It was a dark time. It was a deep time. Those theologians that say it was a real valley claim that there's a valley that only sees light when the sun is directly above because the, the, the steep incline around it makes it so it's a dark valley for, for hours and hours and hours throughout the day and only sees a little bit of sunshine when it crosses over. We know that even if it's metaphorical, this was a negative valley. I do love this, though, and we're not going to park here for long, but I love the fact that it says, yea, though I walk through the shadow, right? The shadow. The shadow is just simply 
the results of, and it's just simply a, 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 just, you're not directly on the valley. The valley's not death, it's the shadow. And, and I think that's interesting. But here's the thing, in those times in life where death overshadows us, certainly we will all face those valleys in our lives. We need the shepherd. I want to point out some other valleys. As I was studying through this and looking through this, um, one person brought up, hey, the valley of such and such. So I'm like, you know what? There's a lot of valleys in Scripture. And so I started, in my mind, thinking through, what are some of the valleys in Scripture? And we're going to talk about a little bit of those and explain them a little bit. Uh, this morning, the first valley that we, that we see in Scripture is the valley of Eschol, or the valley of fear. The valley of fear. Scared. Um, afraid. You, you may have heard of Eschol. This is when the children of Israel were going into the Canaan land, and they were about to go in, and they sent the 12 spies. Ten were bad, and two were good. Right? And that's a little kid song. Of, if you grew up in, in church, that's a little song. But Numbers chapter 13, verse 26, begins to tell the story, and, and I will uh, help with it. Verse 26 says this, The men went back to Moses, Aaron, and the entire Israelite community in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back a report for them and the whole community, and they showed them the fruit of the land. They reported to Moses, We went into the land where you sent us. Indeed, it is flowing with milk and honey. Here is some of its fruit. However, the people living in the land are strong. And the cities are large and fortified. We also saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites are living in the land of Negev. The Hethites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. And the Canaanites live by the sea and along Jordan. Got everybody riled up, right? Verse 30, then Caleb quieted the people in the presence of Moses and said, let's go up now and take possession of the land because we can certainly conquer it. But the men who had gone up with him responded, We can't attack the people because they are stronger than we are. So they gave a negative report to the Israelites about the land they had scouted. The land we passed through to explore is one that devours its inhabitants. And all the people we saw in it are men of great size. We even saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. To ourselves we seem like grasshoppers. We must have been seen the same to them. If you've never studied the Nephilim, and you have like theologian friends, just start talking about it, it's great. People think it's like a, a half man, half animal. It's, it, anyway, uh, but, but take a look at that sometime. This valley in Eschol was where they were located before going into Canaan. And as 12 spies went in, two of them came back with, we can do this. 10 of them came back with fear, with fear. Afraid to move forward, afraid to take the next step, afraid of what it might cost them, afraid of what was on the other side. Hey, we've seen, and they listed four or five different groups of people that are over there. Oh no, they're over there, and they're over there, and those ites are over there, and those ites are over there, and those ites, and I don't know what we're going to do. Let me ask you this morning, are you afraid to move forward? Are there valleys in your life that paralyze you with fear? Is it that next step in your professional career, in your job? Is it that promotion that you want to receive or that, that decision you want to make at school or at work, or at, it, but you're just afraid to take that step because you're not sure what's going to be on the other side? We can get in the valley of fear so often in our lives. 
Here's another way to find out if you, if you can get stuck in the valley of fear. Are challenges obstacles to you? Or are challenges opportunities for you? It's a good way to judge or gauge whether you live in fear. When a challenge is set forth before you, is that an obstacle that you're like, I'm not sure how I'm going to get over, around, through it, I'm not sure? Or do you see a challenge as an opportunity? Hey, I have this challenge at work. You know, we're relocating this, we're doing that, I got moved here, there, we got a family here. Uh, he went away for a couple of days, vacation comes back, and he, he's got put in a new position. Just out of nowhere. Are those obstacles? Or are those opportunities? Do we live in fear? And I know a lot of us, we're adults. Uh, we're, we're very, uh, we don't like to show our weaknesses. So we don't like to talk about our valleys. And one valley we definitely don't want to talk about is being afraid. But I think we all can get real this morning and say that we live in fear sometimes. We live in fear. Hey, if you're a parent in this room and you're raising children in the culture that we live in, I think every now and then you live in a little bit of fear. Hey, if you're a grandparent in this room, you've got grandchildren that are living in this culture that we live in nowadays, I think we can live in a little bit of fear. Let's just be honest. Sometimes we can get stuck in that valley of fear, but that's not the only valley in Scripture. Uh, secondly, we have the valley of Elah. And you'll recognize this valley, and we're not going to uh, read Scripture about it because you're going to know it so else in 1 Samuel uh, 17. This is the valley where David fought Goliath. Okay, this is the valley of conflict. The valley of conflict and there was a massive conflict there, right? David, the shepherd boy, the author of Psalm 23, by the way. So when he's talking about valleys, he had been in this literal valley fighting this literal giant. David and Goliath, the conflict that they had. And maybe your current valley does not seem as large as Goliath, but you're in a valley of conflict nonetheless. When you're having conflict with another person, I don't care if they're a believer or an unbeliever, if you're living in conflict, then you are living in a valley. Let me, let me say it this way. If there's someone alive on this earth that you're having issues with, that you have not resolved those issues, they're unresolved issues, then you are living in the valley of conflict. I've said this before, I'll say it again. The verse of scripture that tells you that do not let the sun go down upon your wrath is a very important verse of scripture. If you, were, if you let the sun go down on your wrath, if there's an issue and friction between you and another person and you let that last over 24 hours, you're not living according to Bible and what scripture commands you, you are living in the valley of conflict. The valley of conflict. That's not the only valley. We're going to talk about two more valleys this morning. Third valley is the valley of Baca. Of Baca. And that's the valley of grief and tears. The valley of grief and tears. Psalm 84, the psalmist writes, How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of armies. I long and yearn for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh cry out for the living God. Even a sparrow finds a home, and a swallow a nest for herself where she places her young. Near your altars, Lord of armies, my King and my God, how happy are those who reside in your house, who praise you continually. Selah. 
Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As those, pe- those happy people, right, as they pass through the valley of Baca. Literally, that word means tears. That's what that word literally means. As they pass through the valley of Baca, tears, they make it a source of spring water. Even the autumn rain will cover it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Each appears before God in Zion. I almost, I almost completely opened up to Psalm 23, read that verse and said, now turn to Psalm 84 and we're going to walk through this passage. And we're going to talk about tears and grief this morning. I'm not going to do that today. However, think about it. Those happy people pass through the valley of tears. Baca means tears or to weep. And I don't know where to go with this or how to be more blatantly honest with this. But that is the truth is this morning, every single one of us has experienced some stage of grief or tears. Some of you are experiencing it right now, even as we speak. And everyone handles their grief or their tears in a different way. I don't know if you've been around people, but there's some people that if they're going through something, they can walk into work on Monday and you can tell it. Hey, something's, what's wrong? Something's not right. What's wrong? Or there's other people that you never know anything's wrong. Three months later, you found out for the last three months they've been dealing with hospice and their mother or father. You would never know it. Everyone goes through this valley of grief and tears, but not everyone shows it on their sleeve. And that's okay. It's okay if people do. It's okay if people don't. But the fact is this, every single one of us could agree that there have been times in our lives of grief and tears, and those were valleys. I want to encourage you, especially around the Christmas season, but I think about this every holiday, Mother's Day, Father's Day, anytime family gets together. It's a joyous time for a lot of people. But I'll also like to think that this December 25th will be somebody's first Christmas without fill in the blank. It'll be someone's first Christmas without their mother. It'll be someone's first Christmas without their father. It'll be someone's, it, it, it's going to be a family friend of ours that, that, that just lost their baby. It's going to be their first Christmas without their baby. And I try to think of that, even in Christmas, even in the joyous times and joy to the world, the Lord has come, let us receive our King. Yes. But you know, some people are going through the valley. Some people will go through valleys. And I like to be very aware of that. And I want to encourage you, side note to the sermon, if there's someone in your circle, in your sphere, that you know this is their first Christmas without, or you know that every year on Christmas they struggle because of whatever, if you know that, shoot them an encouraging text message. Reach out to them. Let them know that you love them and you care for them. The valley of grief and tears. We've all been in that valley. And here's the thing. We all will be in that valley probably again. It's just the fact of life. The valley of tears. And then lastly, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time um, on this before, and you can, uh, on this this morning, you can look it up, the valley of Siddim or the valley of failure the valley of failure and I won't even go into the story uh, Genesis if you want to write this down Genesis chapter 14 the first 11 verses 
talk about this valley of failure. Literally, the, uh, in this valley, there was, there was tar on the, all on the, the ground, and these people literally were getting stuck, and they were defeated. Uh, an army of hundreds of thousands were defeated by an army of like a couple of thousand because they were stuck, and they failed. But the valley of failure, and we're not talking a lot about it, but there are some of you in this room this morning who live in a, in a um, emotional, mental, constant state of failure. You feel like you never can live up. You feel like everything you do turns negative. You live in a constant state of failure. What you do is never good enough. And, and I'll be honest with you, for many people, this has been created because of real hurts and real problems and real issues in their past. And I'm not judging you or condemning you for having these feelings or these thoughts. But I'm telling you this morning, if you live in a constant state of failure, you are living in a valley. You're living in a valley. But today, my goal was not to point out valleys. hope you understand that. I want today to give you hope. I want to give you hope in your valley. You say, Josh, I'm not in a valley right now. I'm kind of on a mountaintop. Things are going really well. You know, things are looking, looking smooth. Warning. How many times do we have to say it, right? You cannot have a mountaintop without a valley. On either side of a mountaintop, what is there? There's a valley. There was a valley before it, and there's going to be a valley after it. Now, your mountaintop may be riding high. You may not even have peaked out yet. But I just warn you that if you're experiencing a mountaintop, just keep pressing on, but prepare yourself. Today's sermon might not be for you today. Today's sermon may be for you a couple of months from now. Today's sermon may be for you a couple of years from now. But I want to give you hope in the valley. I know some of us are in valleys right now. I know some of us are struggling through different things right now. And this morning we want to talk about five truths in this passage and other portions of Scripture that teach us truths about valleys. Five truths about, about valleys. Number one this morning is this. Valleys are inevitable. Valleys are, that's just a truth. That is just a fact of life. Yea, though I walk through the valley. Or many of your versions say, even though I walk through the valley. Hey, valleys are inevitable. The fact of life is this, valleys will happen. John 16 tells us, in the world you shall have tribulation. It's not a matter of if I will have valleys in my life. It's a matter of when those valleys will arrive. They are inevitable. In fact, Psalm 23, the whole passage, each location in Psalm 23 is kind of inevitable for the sheep, the green pastures, the still waters, the righteous paths, the banquet table laid before them that we'll get to, the house of the Lord that we'll talk about on the last week, and the valley. Those are all inevitable paths. Inevitable locations down the path of life. And valleys are one of them. A question I'd ask you this morning, why do we think that green pastures and still waters are a part of God's plan 
But we struggle to understand that valleys are also a part of God's plan. We struggle with this, this first grade Christianity of everything bad is the devil and everything good is God. Well, I would like to introduce you to a man named Job. Job would tell you differently. Job would tell you, look, if I'm Job, let's just be honest. God, you didn't just allow the devil to come and do all those things to me that happened all through the book of Job. No, no. The Bible says that, God, you said, have you considered my servant Job? It was your idea. And sometimes in our first grade Christianity, we think, bad, 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 must be the devil, devil, devil. Good, 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 must be God, God, God. No, the fact is this. Valleys are inevitable in our lives, and God knows it. He knows it. 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. What's he saying in this verse? He's saying don't be surprised when you go through a valley. It's nothing strange because valleys are inevitable. Valleys are inevitable. But number two this morning, I want us to understand that valleys are unpredictable. Valleys are unpredictable. You know, I told you that on either side of a mountaintop is a valley. But I also said you don't know how long that mountaintop's going to last. You don't know how quickly the fall is going to be into the valley. Valleys are unpredictable. If you could predict them, then you could brace yourself for them. Or better yet, if you could predict them, you could avoid them. You could go around them. You could figure out another way across. But valleys are unpredictable. That's just not the case. Valleys come whenever they want to come. How many of you understand this or you maybe even experience this? Immediately, a good day could turn into a bad day. Immediately, with one phone call. One phone call. Immediately, a good day could turn into a bad day with a split-second decision. I'm going to make that lane change real quick. I'm going to speed up. I'm going to make one split-second decision. A good day can turn. One, one email opened. You get that email from somebody and you click open and your day completely flips. One routine doctor's visit could change everything. One phone call from the doctor that says, hey, I need you to come back in. It changes everything. And we don't know when it's going to happen. Some of you in here today could stand and testify, and I'm not going to ask you to do that, but you could stand and testify of just recently how um, things were fine, things were fine, things were fine. Unpredictable valley. It happened. It was a phone call. It was a text message. It was a decision, split second. Valleys are unpredictable. Jeremiah 4.20 tells us, Destruction upon destruction is cried, for the whole land is spoiled. Suddenly are my tents spoiled. And my curtains in a moment. The destruction happened immediately. The valley happened immediately. Valleys are unpredictable. Valleys are unpredictable. So we've first seen that valleys are inevitable. Secondly, valleys are unpredictable. But thirdly this morning, valleys are impartial. Valleys are impartial. And this is, this is an encouragement to me. No one is spared from valleys. No one. No one is spared or can escape 
a valley. It does not matter how good you are, how much you read your Bible, how often you come to church, how many people you fed, you fed at Thanksgiving, how many people you're giving money to at Christmas. It doesn't matter how good you are at your job. It doesn't matter how great of a mom you happen to be, how great of a father you think you are. At the end of the day, valleys are impartial. But I come to church every Sunday. I go to Connect Group. I do this. Valleys are impartial. But I've been a Christian for X amount of years. Valleys are impartial. Val the way I look at this is valleys don't discriminate. Valleys don't discriminate. Man, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your financial level. It doesn't matter your, so your, your social level. It doesn't matter your family level. It doesn't matter your spiritual level. Valleys are impartial. And I'll be honest with you, to me, that's a comfort. It's a comfort to know that, that maybe our valleys look differently, but you know what? Your you're going to go through a valley and so am I. And so are you, and so am I, and so are you, and so am I. Valleys are impartial. Matthew 5.45 says this, He makes His sun rise on the evil and on the good. And He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Valleys, oh, this is great. Valleys are not synonymous with judgment. Just because someone's walking through a valley does not mean that God is in some way judging them. I've been around churches. I've been around Christians that think, hey, if someone's going through a valley, there's something wrong there, some, some spiritual issue there. No, 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 no. It rains on the just and on the unjust. Hey, Paul, Paul, he saw the heavens open up when he was walking down that road. And, but do you know what? Paul also passed through the valley of prison, of beatings, of discouragement of a physical thorn in his flesh. Hey, Paul, Saul may have seen the heavens open and had a salvation experience unlike anyone else on this earth, but he went through a valley. Paul, the greatest missionary that ever lived, the one we still talk about, the one that we pattern our churches after, Paul, valleys. Elijah, Elijah, the same one that prayed down fire from heaven. Boom, you know, hey, just, just to show that you're God, we're gonna douse it with a bunch of water and then we're gonna call down fire. That was ultimate faith there, Elijah, the prophet. But he also passed through the valley of depression as he found himself under that juniper tree. The amazing prophet. Valleys are impartial. John was called the disciple whom Jesus loved. But John passed through the valley on the Isle of Patmos as he was exiled to an island. Job, we've already mentioned him, but he was rich, wise, successful, and he was godly. But he passed through the valley as he stood at the graves of his family and his children. Valleys don't discriminate. David, the author of Psalm 23, David defeated Goliath, became the king, became the king of Israel. But he passed through the valley of sin, seeing his daughter raped, seeing his son killed. Valleys don't Discriminate, and that's what, I'm, that's what I want you to understand this morning. Valleys are impartial. Valleys don't discriminate. It doesn't matter your, your level of spirituality this morning. It doesn't matter how, how good your relationship is with God or how bad your relationship it was got, is with God. It doesn't matter how good you are at fill in the blank or how bad you are at that same thing. Valleys are impartial. But to encourage you this morning, fourthly, we see this, that valleys are purposeful. Valleys are purposeful. Every valley this morning has 
a purpose. I can promise you this. You are not walking through a valley right now in your life where God's like, eh, eh, we'll see what happens. Eh, they can, eh, they're all good. I'll meet them on the other end. No, every valley has a purpose. Look at the different positions of the sheep in Psalm 23. They lie down in green pastures. They're standing by the still waters. They're walking down righteous paths and so on and so on. There's very purposeful. God had a purpose for every portion of this passage and God had a purpose for the valleys. The old proverb, Arab proverb says this, all sunshine and no rain makes a desert. All sunshine and no rain makes a desert. So guess what? Rain has a purpose. Rain has a purpose. In, in, in Raleigh-Durham here, rain has a purpose. It's called traffic, right? Rain has a purpose to get everyone to drive ridiculously crazy and evidently just turn their wheel to the right real quick and just run off the road, right? That's the purpose of rain in this area. It's so my commute home from work, and it should be 10 minutes, turns into 45. But in all seriousness, valleys do have a purpose. God has a purpose for every valley. All sunshine and no rain makes a desert. There's purpose in the rain. And no matter what valley you may be facing this morning, it may be one of the valleys we mentioned, fear, conflict, grief and tears, failure, the valley of the shadow of death, or maybe it's a different valley that you're facing right now. But whatever you're facing this morning, God has a purpose for your valley. God has a purpose. There is a reason, and your shepherd knows the reason. The heavenly, your heavenly Father, who loves you, cares for you, who gave his son Jesus to die for you, he has a purpose. And last week we learned that ultimately his purpose is for his namesake, for his name to be glorified. And I can't explain how the valleys that we've talked about bring glory to God. I don't know. I can't put that into words this morning. But I do know that the Bible says that everything is for his glory. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Because he has a purpose. There is a purpose in your valley. You are not going through your valley for no reason. I wish, that, I wish that I could tell you what the reason is this morning. I can't do that. But your valley has a purpose. Your valley has a purpose. Sometimes that purpose is to teach you a lesson. Sometimes that purpose is to teach someone else a lesson. Sometimes that purpose is, we have no idea. But God has a purpose. And God has a plan in your valley. Fifthly, this morning... We find this, and this is the, probably the most encouraging thing. And that is this, valleys are temporary. Valleys are temporary. And this morning, if you're in a valley, can I just say, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Now, the end of that tunnel, it may be a long ways away. Just shooting straight with you. But there's light at the end of the tunnel. I can promise you that. Look, the, the, what the Bible says this, yea, though I walk through the valley. There's two words there that teach us something. Walk. That means you're in motion. Yea, though I walk. Ever so slowly, 
but I'm walking, so I'm in movement, and I'm walking through the valley. It didn't say, yea, though I sit in the valley. It didn't say, yea, though I walk in the valley. No, it said I walk through it. And that gives us hope that valleys are temporary. We walk through valleys. Psalm 30 verse 5 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. And I'll be honest, your weeping may endure. Your night may be long. Listen, I'm not, I'm not a health and wealth preacher. My job is not to tell you that everything is sunshine and roses and, 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 you know, and we're going to go out and pick, pick flowers and dance around like fairies. That's not my job. My job is to try to be honest about Scripture. And when we're talking about valleys, I can honestly say that they're temporary because, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. But I cannot honestly tell you that the valley's quick. I cannot honestly tell you that the valley's predictable. I can't honestly tell you that the valley's gonna, your, your valley's going to be just like your sister's valley. I can't tell you that. But I can tell you that they're temporary. I can tell you that. What do we need to remember then? as we are walking through our temporary valley. Because our valleys are temporary, what can we remember? What are some maybe practical takeaways? And if you write down things, these may be something good, some good things to write down. Um, these may be good things to put on your, on your mirror in your bathroom as you get up in the morning and you look at that, or maybe create a phone uh, background on your phone for it. Here's what you need to remember as you're walking through your temporary valley. You need to remember, I'm not alone. God is with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want another shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Remember, I'm not alone. God is with me. There's a pastor who pastors a massive church out in the Midwest and he's become like a like a virtual mentor for me I, I, I read a lot of his stuff I listen to a lot of his stuff and he kind of helps me with um, my personal things and he always he says look people make fun of it all they want to so he said I get up every day and there are seven statements that he makes to himself every day he looks himself in the mirror and he makes those statements to himself and you know this is a great one of those that you this is not one of his but this would be a great one for you remember I'm not alone God is with me Hey, listen, your day, your day is going bad. Things are negative at work. Your, your kids got in trouble at school. You're a kid in here and you got in trouble at school. You know, whatever it is, your day is going bad. Remember, I'm not alone. God is with me. You're going into that interview and you're not quite sure how it's going to go. Remember, I'm not alone. God is with me. Hey, you're going through a time of grief. Remember, I am not alone. God is with me. God is with me. Not only remember I'm not alone, God is with me, but remember God will protect me through my valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Remember, God will protect me through my valley. Remember, God will protect me through my valley. Notice, the word was chosen carefully. I did not say, remember, God will protect me in my valley. I said, God will protect me through my valley. Because that, what that's telling myself is, they're temporary. God will protect me through my valley. So remember, I'm not alone. God is with me. Remember, God will protect me through my valley. 
Remember, God has a purpose for my valley. God has a purpose for my valley. Hey, if I'm in the middle of that valley and things are just negative, 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 if I can look up and say, God, I know life is horrible right now, but you have a purpose. You have a purpose for my valley. And you know what? I can handle that. If things are bad and there's a purpose behind it, okay, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. Remember, God has a purpose for my valley. This is an old song that I've probably heard sung in church when I was a kid, but I love the, 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 the truth of this song. Lastly, remember that the God on the mountain is the God in the valley. I'm not singing that song for you this morning. I don't care how many times you ask, but that's an old song. How many of you heard that song before? Don't lie. All right, there we go. I'm not singing it. Don't worry. But you know what? Man, when things are going great, Hey, when I shake your hand, I'm like, hey, how was your week? I got this and this and this and this and this. And it's like mountaintop, mountaintop, right? Remember that God? He's the same God in the valley. That same God that you're so excited about when things go right is the same God who's in your life, cares about you, loves you when you're in the lowest of lows of lows. Remember, the God on the mountain is the God in the valley. It's the same God, same God. If you take a look closely in conclusion today at the verbiage that is used, and we're closing with this in this psalm, I believe it will teach us something. And I didn't put it on the screen uh, today. I want you to listen uh, to this as we think about walking through valleys. Walking through valleys. I'm going to read the psalm. I'm going to highlight some different words. And I want us to understand something about valleys this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Here's our verse today. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. Nope. It's not what he says. He's talking about he, right? He's talking about this third person through the, the first part of this passage he's talking about he the Lord he maketh he leadeth he restoreth he leadeth for his name's sake but verse 4 yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil it's no longer he he says for thou art with me David goes from talking about God when the valley comes he transitions to talking for you are with me for thou art with me let me say this, if you missed everything this morning, if you will catch this, this pronoun shift where David goes from talking about God uh, or talking about the shepherd to talking to the shepherd. You see your valleys, these valleys in your life, while they're certainly painful and they're undesirable in many ways, these valleys seem to draw us closer into a personal, intimate relationship with our shepherd. David was simply talking about his shepherd. Let your valley work in your life. Let your valley bring ultimate praise and glory to God. Let your valley draw you closer to a personal, intimate relationship with your Savior. 
Let your valley take you from, oh yeah, you know, God's been doing this over there and God's great and he's doing a lot of things for me and it's really good and I'm eating in green pastures and I'm drinking beautiful, great water and to, I'm going through a valley. God, are you with me? God, are you there? God, are you, God, this has got to get real now. It's got to get real now. Let your valley do your work. Do its work. I don't know what kind of valley you're in right now. It's not my business. And I don't know how long that that valley is going to last. But I do know this. Valleys are temporary. God has a purpose for your, your valley. And ultimately, God is drawing you into a more personal, intimate, real relationship with him through your valley. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.com. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.